morning, church family. Third John, verse 5, reads this. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers. And have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. You know, one of the blessings of this church is that we take this command seriously, that we support missionaries all over the world. Um, there are people uh, that we will never be able to meet or encounter, but we send out missionaries and we support them for that reason. Uh, that they're evangelizing and making disciples to people with people all over the world. Uh, one of our missionaries, uh, the, the Ramirez family, is here with us uh, for the last for a week or two before they go back. And uh, Pastor Roger and I, or Pastor Henry and I, were able to have a meal with him this past week, and it was great. And I'm sure most of you have signed up for that meal, uh, have a, spending time with the family, and you got to know them and their heart for God and the heart for the Argentinian people. Uh, so it is a joy to be able to have any of our missionaries come back to share what the Lord is doing in their lives and uh, how the Lord is using them so that more people can come to saving faith. If you haven't noticed already, in the back of the foyer, there's a little table uh, with some uh, reading material as well as some prayer cards uh, for you. Uh, this is designed so that we can know how to pray for them and uh, you know, to think of them when, uh, when we're thinking about Argentina or, uh, or, when we're, or in our, our prayer times. So with that said, I'd like to welcome Pablo uh, up to, as he shares about God's faithfulness and as, as well as give us the word of God. So let's warmly welcome him. Good morning. It is such a privilege for us to be here with you and to share what the Lord is doing in our country, in Argentina. It's so good to see many uh, familiar faces, many friends, and to spend time with you. It's been a joy for us to uh, eat with you during this week and just uh, have conversations and have uh, fellowship with you. So we're really happy to be here. We have been in the United States since November, so almost four months now, 25 churches <laughs> and 12,000 miles. So uh, next week we return to Argentina, Lord willing. So we reserve the last, the best for last, like they say. Right? <laughs> we love California. We love San Francisco. You have a beautiful city, uh, nice people, great food. So uh, we're really happy to see you, to be here. And um, we want to start with a five-minute uh, video that, so you can be reminded of what's going on in, in our country. So we, we will start with that. serving the Lord in the Punilla Valley in the province of Córdoba, right in the middle of the country of Argentina. And our valley has 15 little towns that don't have any churches that preach the gospel. They don't have sound doctrine. And uh, we are uh, working in three of these towns, planting and establishing churches. And we do a lot of emphasis in training men to be uh, leaders of these churches, national men to be the pastors of these churches, and we do this uh, through evangelism, 
discipleship and the Bible Institute. And uh, the Lord has been good and it's been a blessing to be able to serve as a family in the Punilla Valley. And we are, we are seeing how God is uh, changing lives and, and uh, establishing these churches. Argentina is a very Catholic country and our area is uh, very Catholic too, very traditional. People are very materialistic, but uh, they need to hear about Christ. And uh, you don't need to convince an Argentine that God exists. They believe there is a God. But when you get to the part that, uh, about sin, and, uh, about Christ, that's when they uh, get offended. But they need to understand the salvation through Jesus Christ. So in these towns, uh, we have different strategies to contact people. Each town has its own different idiosyncrasy. And uh, we've been working in the main town of the valley called Carlos Paz. This is a big city, and there the Lord is establishing um, the main church of the valley. We are having discipleships, a doctrine classes. Um, we are discipleship classes, yes. Uh, well, Theo teaches women and kids. Uh, he teaches men. And um, we have... Uh, a ministry called the Merendero Ministry in a very poor part of the, of the city where kids come and they have a snack and a Bible class and it's been a great way to reach them with the gospel and their families and in the third town we are also working in a Bible institute there this town has already been established uh, the leaders have been trained and they are now reaching other parts of the valley and they have this Bible Institute and we've been teaching there and it's been great to see how they are auto-reproducing their church. God's provision through all these years and uh, we appreciate your partnership in ministry we appreciate your prayers we need many prayer warriors and uh, our theme verse in ministry is in 1st Kings 1837 Elijah here he says answer me Lord answer me so these people will know that you Lord are God and that you are turning their hearts back again that is our prayer for the ministry here in Argentina. God, God bless, bless you. you. saying that uh, an image is worth more than a thousand words so that's why we always like to show pictures of what's going on in Argentina 
And um, that is our family. I am here today with my wife, Phil, and our two kids, Julieta and Daniel. Julieta is seven, and Daniel just turned five. So um, we are serving as a family in Argentina. I was born in the north of Argentina, in the border with Paraguay. And my wife is, is from Uruguay, the country next to Argentina. And we met in Uruguay in her church. Uh, I was invited to, to speak to a young people event. And that Saturday night we met. <laughs> and in that same event, my sister met her future husband. <laughs> so it was a powerful meeting, you know. <laughs> That's why I always tell young people, don't miss those events. You don't know what, what the Lord has in store for you. But uh, we met, and a year and nine months later, we got married, and we went to live to the center, the middle of Argentina. Argentina is the eighth largest country in territory in the world. Uh, it is very beautiful. We have all the climates. We have the four seasons. We have uh, jungles in the north. We have the Andes Mountains. We have very fertile land. It's very beautiful. Uh, Argentina is known for soccer. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put this picture. <laughs> but uh, we are known for, for um, playing soccer. We have very good players. We teach our kids how to walk by kicking a soccer ball. So you can imagine uh, we are fanatics of this sport. And uh, Argentina is known for our, our good beef, our asado. Um, our gauchos, our cowboys, they are uh, very modern now, but they still dress that way. It's a very traditional way of dressing in, in Argentina. And some famous Argentines is the, are the queen of the Netherlands, Maxima. She's from Argentina. And the Catholic Pope, he's from Argentina. So you can imagine that Catholics in Argentina are very proud of this. And Catholicism uh, in Argentina, they have a lot of power. Uh, Every town, every, every community has a saint or a virgin that represents them. And they have large processions of faith each year where they go and make promises to the saint. And uh, all of our presidents have been Catholic. There used to be a, a regulation, a law, that if you wanted to be a candidate for president, you had to profess the Catholic faith. So you can imagine the power they have in Congress in everyday life. Um, but we are seeing that uh, there's some new age philosophy growing and some atheism, mostly between the youth. They don't want to believe in anything. Um, so we are living in Córdoba. Córdoba is right in the middle of the country. We are about eight hours from the Atlantic and eight hours from the Pacific. And uh, our goal is to establish autonomous churches in the Punilla Valley in Córdoba, Argentina. This valley was uh, empty for many years because people just spent one or two weeks of their vacations there, and the rest of the year it was empty. It's a very beautiful area with the pre-Andes mountains. We have lakes. Um, it's a very nice place to vacation. So people just went in the summer. But in the last 30 years or so, people started to move and settle permanently in this area, escaping the crime from the big cities. So now this area is full of people, and almost no churches that preach the gospel. It's considered to be one of the least evangelized areas of Argentina right now. And it's not a very big valley. Uh, in two hours, you can uh, cover the whole valley. There's one road that goes from south to north. And there are 15, 15 little towns by this one road. And our goal, our prayer, our dream is that one day, each of these 15, 15 towns will have at least one church that preaches the gospel. We're working in three of these churches, and uh, a fourth church has already been established with a pastor, and we are uh, working as a team with my parents. They are missionaries also with biblical ministries worldwide. There used to be one other couple, too, uh, from Michigan, but they had to return to Michigan because uh, the lady, the woman, has uh, cancer, so she's undergoing treatment, and they are not returning to Argentina. So it's my parents and us working as a team. Uh, in this in this valley, uh, most of these towns are small. They go from 500 people to 10,000 people. There's one big city where we live in Villa Carlos Paz in the south. That city has 90,000 people, but all the other towns are very small. And we started working in Bialet Masse. This town has around 4,000 people, and it's a very beautiful spot in the in the valley. It's also very poor. It's right there where the red arrow is. But the Lord uh, took us there. We started working with kids and teenagers. 
And uh, we had a big event on Saturdays where we served a lunch. And uh, we had a Bible lesson and we played sports with them. And we had up to 80 kids come every Saturday. And after a few months, the parents started to, to come to the church and ask us, what did you do to my kid? <laughs> because he doesn't steal anymore. She doesn't say bad words anymore. What happened? And we told them we didn't do anything. It's Christ changing them. And that's the way we started to get to know the, the community, the parents. And it's been, it, it was wonderful to, to serve there. And when the parents started to, to uh, put their, their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we started midweek Bible studies, a very informal time where we could gather with people and answer questions um, and, and learn the Bible. And then we started having Sunday meetings, which was a blessing to finally have a formal service uh, on Sundays in this town. And we have uh, prayer meetings uh, during the week, too. We do a lot of emphasis in prayer meetings um, in, in the churches where we work. Uh, Phil likes to teach uh, women, ladies' meetings. And we do a lot of emphasis in training men to be the leaders of these churches. Because what happens in Argentina, and perhaps in other countries, too, is that people grow too dependent on the missionary. And when the missionary dies or when the missionary moves, the church collapses because nobody knows what to do. So from day one, we tell people, we will leave in five or six years. So from this group, at least one man has to stand up and be the leader. And of course, God does the work in each life, but we strongly encourage people to develop the spiritual gift the Lord gave them. So um, we... We wanted to send everybody to a Bible institute, but it is very expensive. So we started having like a mini Bible institute at night in the, in the church and going through homiletics, hermeneutics, doctrine. And it's been wonderful to see God raising men uh, that want to serve him. And uh, we also uh, encourage people that know how to play music, how to, uh, we encourage them to play Christian music. And those that are good with numbers uh, on how to keep the accounting books, uh, those are that feel called to, to teach um, kids and teenagers. We encourage them to do that, and um, women to teach other women. So it's been wonderful to see God um, blessing this approach. Uh, we also like family camps. <laughs> we Argentines love camps. Uh, even unsaved people go to camps, and you know you have them there with you for a whole week maybe. And it's a great way to evangelize and to show Christian love uh, in a very practical way. And we, we try to find out uh, uh, the best way that we can contact people in each of these towns. Because, you know, uh, what might work in one town to contact people might not work in the next town. Uh, you might go door to door visiting people in this town, but in the next town that might not work to contact people. So we try to find out and we, uh, we've done uh, soccer tournaments, drama events, uh, medical outreach, English lessons for, for adults for free. And different ways to get to know the community. And when leaders were trained, this church was handed over to local leadership. And we praise the Lord for this. That was our prayer. And we are so excited because this group, this church, they are actually now starting another group, another church. So we are so glad they understood the concept of multiplication. So please continue to pray for Bialet Masse. Uh, it's not like we never see them again. We go once in a while. But they are independent now. They make the decisions. And that's what we want in the valley. Then uh, we started working in Villa Carlos Paz. This is, uh, like I said, the big, the big city of the valley. It's a very beautiful city. Um, we have a very nice lake there. And it's right in the south of the valley, right there. And... Uh, the Lord took us to a very poor neighborhood called the Colinas neighborhood. This area is known for, the, for drug use. Uh, Argentina is now what Colombia used to be 30, 40 years ago. Um, I don't know if you remember Colombia with Pablo Escobar and the cartels and all the problems they had with drug use. Uh, they all moved to Argentina now and uh, they are uh, doing drugs there and uh, our country is known for that and uh, it's very sad. And this part of the... Uh, of the valley of Carlos Paz is very, is, is known for addiction. So we are there, but the Lord is changing lives. And we've done the same things we did in the other town, preaching, teaching, discipleship. And it's been wonderful to see the Lord uh, uh, working in people's lives, changing lives. And um, we, 
uh, found out that home Bible studies here uh, are a great way to get to know people. A lot of unsaved people might be very embarrassed to be seen entering a Christian church, but they might receive us in their living room. You know, when we go and they close the doors, the windows, everything, <laughs> they don't want to be seen with us. But that's okay because we get the chance to share the gospel with them. And my love and I, and my wife and I, we love to uh, uh, home Bible studies. Um, we also have a, a ministry called the Merendero Ministry in this neighborhood. And we serve a snack and we give them milk. It might be the only time when they drink milk because they are very poor. And a Bible lesson, of course. And these kids, um, they come from very hard backgrounds. Uh, families that have addictions. Um, a lot of these kids have been raped. So they, there's a lot of darkness around them. But when, um, when Jesus comes to their lives, they start to shine. And they are little missionaries that go back to their homes and share the gospel with their families. And uh, in this town, we, we did the same things we did in, in the other town um, uh, to reach the community, different events. And it's been wonderful uh, to get to know the community this way. Uh, then the Lord took us to La Rioja Diez. This church was already founded, but the pastor there, the el main el elder, he was um, very sick and he was dying. And he came to us and he said, I am dying, and I haven't prepared other men to uh, continue the work here. Uh, will you consider helping when, I, when I, I'm not here anymore? And we prayed about it because it was not in our plan to work in an existing church, but we realized that if nobody did anything, this church was going to close. Because in Argentina, people, they don't go and hire a pastor. If you haven't trained a man in your congregation, then the, door, the, the church closes. So uh, we prayed about it, and we realized that this was going to be like starting a new church because the group uh, was very small. They didn't have much um, uh, knowledge of the Bible, and uh, we prayed about it, and God guided everything, and we started to work there. And this elder passed away. He's with the, with the Lord now, but the church continues. But we told the people the same thing we tell everybody. In five or six years, we will leave. <laughs> so from this church, at least one man. Has to stand up and be the leader. And it's been wonderful to work there. Um, we're working with adults, teens, discipleship, the, all the same things we're doing in the, in the other towns. Uh, this church has uh, uh, several um, young couples with small kids. And uh, we've been investing a lot of time in discipleship uh, with young couples because to have a strong church, you need strong families, right? So we are very happy to be serving there. Uh, then we went to La Falda. La Falda is a very, very nice town in the valley. It has around 5,000 people. And um, we have a Bible study there. And when we go back now in one week, we will uh, continue uh, outreach activities. And we are praying that we uh, may, may reach uh, this town with the gospel, with these two families that we already have this Bible study. And this place is a very dark, spiritual, has a lot of spiritual darkness. There is a mountain near this town that um, glows in the dark because it has a lot of minerals in the top, you know. So people, they say it glows because it has good energy. <laughs> so they go there and they worship the devil. And uh, it's, very, it's a very dark area, but the Lord um, is working in people's lives. So please pray for La Falda that we may... Uh, continue to establish a church there in this town. About us, uh, we are living on approximately 75% of our required support level, but this number actually changed in the last few days uh, to 85%. So we are very happy, very encouraged. Uh, please continue to pray for uh, all these churches that we've been visiting in these last four months. They are going to give us an answer in the next few weeks. Uh, Pray that we may reach 100%. Uh, the Lord has always provided, and we know that He will continue to provide. And we are serving with bi biblical ministries worldwide. We are so happy to be serving with them. They have the same church planting philosophy we have. And I want to mention that a lot of people uh, are always asking us, why plant churches? You know, why plant churches? Why don't you just go and evangelize? And we told them, we could go to these 15 towns in 15 days and evangelize, and probably people will come to Christ, but 
What happens next? If there are no churches, you know, how are people going to grow? We all need a place where we can grow. And we all need a place where we can, uh, we can uh, develop the spiritual gift the Lord gave us and, and be a blessing to others, edify others. And Christ died for His church. You know, that was the whole plan. So we firmly believe that God wants to show His glory through local churches. So we are very happy to be serving with BMW. Do you know these people? <laughs> this is part of your church, and they have been a blessing. Uh, we received uh, for two years in a row uh, groups from, from your lovely church, and it's been a blessing for us, a blessing for the ministry. Um, you know, people are very curious in Argentina. So people that might never set a, a foot in the church might just go just to see you <laughs> because they, they're curious, you know. So it's a great way to evangelize. And, uh, and we try to find out what, what, what the, the missions team, what, what they like to do, what they know. And we try to, to um, have activities where they can uh, use their gifts, you know. So it's been a wonderful way to, um, to serve together in, in Argentina. And we need people that will pray for us daily. We firmly believe in the power of prayer and um, we need prayer warriors. And we're going to talk about, about prayer in missions. Uh, I will not preach very long. It's very hard to preach in another language. But I want to, to, for us to go through some verses that, uh, that speak about the way we should pray when we think about missions. And uh, the concept is that we are in a spiritual war. And that with prayer... Uh, the prayer is the Air Force. You know that uh, in a war, the Air Force goes first to clear the way, right? And then the ground troops go. So with your prayers, God is preparing hearts and minds. So when the ground troops, we that are over there in Argentina, when we go with the gospel, people are ready to receive the gospel. So it's a partnership in ministry. And there's a nice... Uh, track that we have in our display table that our mission board has about, about uh, this concept of partnership in ministry. And we, we'll, we're going to see uh, seven ways that we uh, can pray in ministry. And as we go through these seven things, uh, we, we should realize that we are all missionaries. All of us are missionaries. Uh, it is true that some people are called to full-time ministry and some Christians are called to go overseas. But it is also true that the Great Commission is for everyone. <laughs> we all have the responsibility of proclaiming the gospel. And you are a missionary wherever God has you. In your job, in your family, in your school. And you have access to people that I will never have access to. You have their trust, their confidence. They will listen to you. And we are all missionaries. So when we go through these things, I don't want you to think, okay... This is the way I'm going to pray for them. It should be, this is the way I'm going to pray for myself too. As I consider myself a missionary, wherever God has me. Okay? So, um, we will go to Colossians 4.3. Colossians 4.3. The Apostle Paul, he was saying, and pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in, chain, in chains. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. And the people that surrounded Paul were other prisoners, the soldiers, the guards, and the visitors that came to visit the prisoners. You know, and I am so uh, impressed by his attitude because instead of feeling sorry for himself, instead of feeling like a victim, instead of being angry at God because he was in prison, he was praying to God to give him the opportunity to have contacts, to proclaim the gospel right there where he was, you know. So we should pray for contacts. And um, you and I, you, you and I might, might say, well, I am shy. I am not very outgoing. I don't, I don't relate well to people. I don't know many people. But it will surprise you and me if we wrote down all the people that we encounter on a daily basis. People who 
whom, which we have uh, short conversations or greetings. You know, did you watch the games last night? Hey, how are you? How is your family? You know, people that we greet every day in our jobs, in our schools, in the supermarket, in the grocery store. Uh, our prayer should be that we will develop those greetings and those casual conversations into relationships, into spiritual conversations, right? That we will develop those casual relationships into contacts, potential contacts for us to share the gospel. And Paul was viewing these people surrounding him as potential contacts and he was praying, Lord, open doors for my message, even here as I am in, the, in, in prison. And, you know, in some countries, it is easier than others to develop contacts. In our country, this is quite easy, actually. People love to talk about any subject. <laughs> uh, people, they um, have a, Argentines have an opinion for everything. And they want you to know their opinion. <laughs> so uh, there's no hurry, no rush, you know. And when you get to spiritual things, you don't need to convince an Argentine that God exists. They believe there's a God. And you don't need to talk about evolution or the Big Bang. You can go directly to spiritual matters. And for the most part, Argentines are very friendly. You know, they don't, they don't even call before coming to your house. <laughs> they might just knock and say, hey, I brought a chicken. <laughs> I brought sausages. Do you want to eat together? You know, there are very opportunities. And it's, it's quite easy to develop these this casual greetings, these uh, casual friendships into context. And we should pray. We should pray that we may uh, do this so we can go with the gospel to the people surrounding us. And Paul was praying for that. So we should pray for context. But we should also pray for clarity. The next verse, right there in Colossians, Paul keeps on saying, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. And you know, Paul relied on the Lord's help and guidance to be able to be clear when he presented the gospel. He became a skilled speaker, and he knew how to explain spiritual concepts in a way that his listeners will understand. You know, he knew how to interpret his audience understanding. Remember when he was in uh, Athens in Greece? He was standing there in front of, of, of the Greeks. And I, I, I can imagine Paul praying, Lord, help me to be uh, clear in the way I, I transmit the, the message. Help me uh, to, 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 help me to, for the, um, to speak in such a way that they will understand. And remember that he looked uh, around and he saw all the altars and there was one that said to the one unknown God. And he started his speech with that illustration. <laughs> and he gave one of the best speeches you will find uh, regarding the Lord in the New Testament. And then when he was with Agrippa the king, he used legal terms. And then when he went to the synagogue, he used history. Because he knew that his listeners will understand him that way. He wanted to be very clear. And we should pray that we will be clear when we explain the gospel. And that we will interpret our audience's understanding. You know, it is not the same as having children as an audience than having teenagers or adults. A child will listen to us for 10, 15 minutes, and then you lose his attention. Not because they are bad kids, but because, you know, that's, they can concentrate for 10 or 15 minutes on, on a speech, on what you are saying. Adults can, can follow you a little more time. But um, we should realize these facts when we, when we share the gospel. Also... It is not the same if we have a captive audience, maybe for 30 minutes like now, or if we are having a 10-minute conversation in a bus. You know, there's movement, there's distractions, there's noise. We have to pray to the Lord that we might be clear in that opportunity we have to share the gospel. Uh, we also need to understand that we cannot use big words like propitiation, justification, regeneration. We should all know what that means, of course. But when we share those uh, things to an unsaved person, we have to realize that they won't understand us if we use those, those words. You, we should explain those concepts in a simple way, trying to be very clear so they understand these this important concepts. Yeah? We should not beat around the bush. You know, our strategies should be to always go to the main message, Jesus Christ. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but 
unsaved people, when they know that you go to church or when they know that you're a Christian, they might go to you and say, I, I, I would like your opinion about the end times, you know, about Armageddon, about the trumpets, you know. There are a lot of movies, a lot of fascination in many people, of, you know, of what's going to happen in the end times. And, you know, you can give them a short, polite answer, but don't spend an hour explaining them Revelation. Okay, give them a short, polite answer about, about what's going to happen, what the Bible says, but then drive the subject to, to Jesus Christ, to the most important subject, right? We should be very um, smart in these cases so we can be clear on the, main, on the main message of the Bible, which is Jesus Christ. And Paul was praying for that, for clarity. Third, we should pray for courage. Ephesians 6, 18, 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. When we finish the service and when we go out, we will probably not be attacked by an angry angry mob, you know, uh, waiting outside to hurt us because of the message we proclaim. But there are countries in this world where where Christians risk their lives because of the message of the gospel. And in our countries, we might not suffer physical harm, but we still need courage to stand up to proclaim the gospel, to preach the gospel. We will be discriminated. People will laugh at us. Don't expect to be popular when you proclaim the gospel. People will, like I said, make fun of you. They'll say bad things to you. you know? And you know the gospel has two parts. And in Argentina, everybody likes the first part. <laughs> and they will agree with us that, that God exists, that God is there. And uh, I remember that last time I was here, I explained to you our national herb tea. Remember the mate? That uh, we, it's a very strong tea that we use a, a metal straw with a filter at the end. And we pour water. And it's a very social, a very friendly thing in Argentina. And we all drink from the same, we all sip from the same straw, remember? <laughs> and uh, the government now with the coronavirus, they say we shouldn't do that. And people were outraged in Argentina. <laughs> we're not going to change our culture for the virus. You know? <laughs> But, uh, but it's a very friendly thing, you know, and the mate goes around, and uh, if they offer you mate, it's a good sign. You know, they like you, they, they welcome you. And we might be, you know, sharing the gospel with people, and the mate goes around, and people agree with us, that God is there, He created everything, etc., etc. But then we get to the other part of the gospel, the part that says that we are sinners, the part that says that God is a three-time holy God, the part that says that our good works don't amount to anything. And that's when the mate stops going around. <laughs> that's when people, you know, they're politely saying, you know, I, I don't want to listen to you anymore. Because they get offended. So they don't like that part of the gospel. And we should pray for courage to proclaim the whole gospel. To be biblical in what the Bible says about salvation, about repentance, about the consequences of sin. And in Argentina, we are seeing that many churches, uh, not our churches, but many churches around us and uh, maybe famous pastors, they are afraid to tell people about hell, for example. They don't want to offend people, you know. They don't talk about hell. They never talk about sin. They don't even want their churches to be called a church because they don't want to be identified as churchy people, you know. (laughs) They want to be cool. Um, And remember that when Jesus was was going from from town to town here on earth, uh, people will stop following Jesus every time he spoke about repentance. Remember that? And, and about what God expects from us. People were offended. And they will stop following him. And even his disciples told, told him uh, at one point, they told him, what you are saying are hard words, Lord. <laughs> and I, I imagine that in the back of their minds, they were thinking, we're losing numbers. <laughs> uh, it will be great, Lord, if you will soften your message, Lord. But the message of the gospel has to be proclaimed as a whole. Uh, talking about the love of God, but also that God is, is a three-time holy God and the consequences of sin. And we need courage to do that. We need courage to do that in a world that is uh, every day uh, more secular and more far from God. And Paul prayed for courage. Fourth, 
We need to pray for conversions. In 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Paul says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. When people respond in faith to the gospel, they glorify the, the God who gave that gospel to us. And that happened in Thessalonica. And Paul, uh, people were responding to the gospel in faith. And Paul was telling them, pray that what happened here in your town will happen in other places too. That when people listen to the gospel, that they will uh, respond in faith to the gospel. He was t- telling them, pray for conversions. And you know, we have to pray for conversions for people all around us. Uh, people that we love, relatives, uh, um, people that we work with every day, friends. And my grandma prayed 25 years for the salvation of my grandpa. My grandma, she was saved through the preaching of a former Catholic priest. Uh, this priest was saved uh, in Bolivia. He was from Bolivia, the country north of Argentina. And he was reading in his Catholic Bible, Romans. And he understood the concept of grace. And he, he, he was saved and he started to preach the gospel in, in Mass, at Mass. And after a few months, the priest around him came and told him, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't be preaching this. And he kept on. And after a few years, he started to receive threats. So he had to run out of Bolivia. And he went to the north of Argentina from town to town and preaching the gospel. And in one of those little towns was my grandmother. And she heard the gospel and she came to Christ. And uh, she was a teenager and she was very fervent. She was growing uh, very happy. But when she was an adult, she met my unsaved grandpa. And she fell in love with him and they got married. And after a while, she realized that what she had done was wrong, but it was too late. She was already married. And my grandpa was a moral man, but every time my grandma shared the gospel with him, he would laugh. And he would say, well, you know, that's good for you, but I don't need that. You know, I'm, I'm good. So my grandma prayed, prayed, prayed. And after 25 years, one of my uncles, one of their sons, uh, a faithful Christian, he drowned in the river. He died. And... Uh, my, my whole family was devastated. They were very sad. But my grandpa saw his spiritual need right there. He realized his spiritual need. He, and he saw the peace that my grandmother had. And she, he, he went to her and told her, Would you remind me the gospel again? Tell me what, what, what is what, what you believe. What, what do I need? You know? And he came to Christ. And uh, he became one of the elders of the church. And he's been a blessing to many. So Christ... Uh, came to his life and, and changed him. And we don't, know, we don't know what it will take for a person to follow Christ. But we need to continue praying for their salvation. We need to trust the Bible uh, regarding everything that happens at the moment of salvation. And if the Bible says that we have to pray for conversions, then we need to trust the Bible and do it. And there are many verses about this in Ezekiel, Deuteronomy, Second Timothy. We won't go through all of them. But... Paul was praying for that to happen, and we should pray for that too. We should also pray for care. Second Thessalonians 3.2, Paul, Paul says, And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. And you know, we will be surprised if we realized of how many dangers the Lord protected us today. Today. And last night and last week, we will be so surprised of how many dangers the Lord is protecting us right now. You know? And when we preach the gospel, we are exposed to a lot of things. The enemy is mad at us. He's furious. And we should pray that God will deliver us and our families from injuries, from car accidents, and from physical harm. And also, we should pray that God will... Uh, deliver us from unjust lawsuits. This is something that is happening uh, a lot in many countries to many Christians around the world. Unjust lawsuits. They are being accused falsely of things they haven't done. And it's one of the ways that the enemy wants to uh, shut down churches. It's one of the, enemy that, uh, one of the ways that the enemy tries to, to, to uh, destroy ministry. You know, and when we are serving the Lord, we have to be very careful of details. Of details. Because there's evil and weak, wicked people, like Paul was saying, that they are searching for an opportunity to accuse us falsely. 
Uh, we can give examples of this in, in the Merendero ministry, the very poor uh, town, uh, Colinas, the neighborhood. Um, we give out a snack to small children. And you know, nowadays you have to be very careful uh, in details when you work with children. And we rem I remember once we, we were going to start the activity and this, this father comes in his motorcycle with three of his kids. And it was in winter, it was very cold. We get some snow in the winter sometimes. And it was very cold and he came to the, the church, to the sidewalk of the church, and he left his kids there and he left. And we opened the door, we welcomed the kids. And there was a one year and a half little girl there, standing there. And we, as soon as we saw her, we realized that she was soaked. She was soaked uh, in her urine, you know. And we, we, we looked at each other with my wife and we thought, didn't the father realize that she was soaked, you know. But, I mean, she was all wet. And at first we thought we, thought we, we might have to change her, you know, put her another clothes. We have clothes in the church to give out to people. But then we realized that's what the father probably wants, you know. And uh, we, we didn't change her uh, because we realized that this man...